0: Um, Just before David Stroud comes to speak to us, I'm going to read a passage for the day. It's found in John chapter 12, verses 23 to 26. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Let's show some love to Dave as he comes to speak to us. Well, hi everyone, it's Raf, thank you. Never been introduced with show some love before, so I'm happy going with that. Great to see you. Happy 15th anniversary, Christchurch, London. It's a special day. It's fantastic to have so many of you back. It's fantastic to have some of you Sutton people on the front row down here again, though I see some of the rest of you have sort of crept up here. We have some of the East people. These were their seats years ago, and some of them have claimed them again. So uh, great to have you guys. I've been reveling in happy memories and lots of people have stopped me and said, there was this or there was that or there was the other that was special about Christchurch London. I, I was chatting with one uh, young man, he was a child when we started, and I said, so how about for you? He said this. It was a scar. He had been messing around at the beginning of one of our services, had tripped and ended up in A&E, and I'm like, okay, so not everything was great about Christchurch London, but I love the theme of today, here to stay, and just to be clear, we're not suggesting that everybody here has to stay for the, forever and for the rest of your lives in this city, but we are saying this, that a long-term perspective really makes a difference, and for the church to be here long-term just changes the whole way we can view what we intend to do. When you think of this church being rooted here for generations to come, you start to wonder just how many people might find faith here. Just how many people may have their lives changed. How many of those in need would be able to say it was through this church, this part of the wider body of Christ, that I discovered that Jesus cares for those who are in need. Makes you wonder what sort of industries and communities might be changed at a a fundamental, essential level. Because we're not just doing this for two years or for five years, but we are here to stay. The longer the perspective, the more you can get done. One of my favorite things every Sunday is going past this building here. St. Paul's Cathedral. I walk past it and I marvel every Sunday. Extraordinary architecture, beauty, stature. Do you know how long it took Sir Christopher Wren to build St. Paul's? From the moment he started planning for it to the moment the last stone was in place, it was 50 years. It was 50 years. And just as building a great building takes a long time, to create a great church, a church intent on glorifying God, doesn't happen in a moment. But it takes a significant amount of time. So we're here to stay. And here's what I want to do this morning. In the few minutes I've got, I want to tell you a bit of the story. I want to reflect back before reflecting forwards. As I tell the story, I want to invite you. However long you've been part of Christchurch, if this is your part of God's family, I want to invite you to make this your story. So, one of the glorious things about God's story—it's always an inclusive story—saying, "Hey, come in. Come. Why don't you come and be part of this?" I want to invite you to own our story together. I want to—I trust—provoke gratitude. For the past, and I want to inspire faith for the future, and I want to invite you to be part of the next chapter. So, whistle-stop tour of the last 15 years. Chapter one. Chapter one actually started long before we started Christchurch, London. It started in the hearts of Philip and I. as We started to dream about what might it be like if there were a new church in Central London. What could God do? It was actually over 20 years between that dreaming and the starting of Christ Church London, one of the delays was simply the fact we were part of a movement of churches and there were others who had a say in this. There were those we looked to appropriately and rightly who needed to say, yes, it's time, go. I remember in the lead up to moving here, going to a meeting and thinking this was going to be the day. This was going to be the day where we would be told, go. And I got there to find that the key decision maker was sick. I was told, don't worry. He'll be fine in a few days time. It turned out to be shingles. It lasted six months. They were six of the longest months of my life. And There's no time to go into the whole story, but I ended up in an office in a building in Bishop Stortford when I made the call when the key decision maker said, David, go, start a church. I left that building like a bullet out of a gun. The only thing I did to stop between there and driving back to Birmingham where I was living to tell Philippa was to pop into the supermarket and get a half bottle of champagne. We wanted to celebrate, but we weren't big drinkers, so that sort of seemed about the right amount. And I remember getting home that afternoon, and I had no idea how we were going to afford this, either personally or as a church. I had no idea who would come with us. I had no idea how it was going to happen, but one thing I knew... This was God's idea, and it was going to come to pass. And off we went. Chapter 1 started long before Christ Church London. It started in our hearts, and incidentally, that's how he works. And there will be things that he is dropping in different hearts here today or in years past, which are to come about. But the other thing that he did was he started to develop key relationships. I didn't know they were going to be key relationships when Tim and Jackie said to us when you go to London we'll come too I hoped, but I didn't know that was going to come about when I met Andy Tilsley at the front of church one day as I laid my hands on him he'd come forward for prayer I had no idea that our lives were going to be so intertwined Helen Davison came to London for 10 days to help us move and has stayed for 15 years. (laughs) Mike and Kate Thomas were the first people that we met at our children's school in Birmingham. But they came to be founder members and Mike is now a trustee. So some of these relationships were not just friends for a moment, but they've turned out to be in God's greater plan. Watch out for those you get connected with. Exciting things can happen as a result. This whole thing started with things God whispered into hearts and relationships that started to form together. Chapter 2 was the early years. Fast growth, almost a different venue every year. uh, Regent's Park, Covent Garden, Vinopolis, which was a wine museum over on the South Bank can imagine the prophetic words we had about new wine and and it was it was a wonderful year that we had there before moving to the piccadilly theater i spoke with someone this morning they said i left Christchurch, left london in 2009 when you were at the piccadilly theater we moved here in 2010 afternoon service in the june or july morning service in the september and during that time we just grew boom 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 i don't think anyone ever knew everyone in the church. Andy and I and others who were part of that initial team that started the church just worked the room like crazy. We met everyone. There was always people who were new. There was always people we didn't know. And sometimes people have said to me, what was it about that part of Christchurch London life that caused such significant and fast growth? And I've thought about it a lot, that clearly the answer is God. Let's take God and his grace, just accept that for the minute. I was going to say take it for granted, which is a dangerous thing to do. But let's just, you know, let's log that one. What else? And you know what I think? I think it was the group of people that we had. It was the group of people that we started with. Because most of them were in London for only one reason, and it wasn't their career. They were here to get a church going. They were like, super focused. And I'm talking about the first 50 and then most of the first 150 and then most of the first 250. Either were like that or caught it very quickly. And the passage that we read this morning is that unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, there's not fruit. There was a whole crowd of men and women who started this church who died to themselves and we get some of the blessing today as a result of that. I've been reading recently about a great mission move out of this country that happened in the 18th and the 19th century. People went all over the world. They left this country not even knowing whether they would get to their destination. A lot of them died in shipwrecks on the way. Others of them got there and Dysentery and typhoid and other illnesses killed them before they did anything productive or meant that they lost children or husbands or wives. And yet, that mission move, while not perfect and while not everything about it was great, has resulted in countless hundreds of thousands of people who followed Christ in their generation and subsequent generations. Countless generations of children educated, countless generations of sick people cared for. Arguably, the destiny of whole peoples changed because some hundreds of people actually, on this occasion, from this land, died. They gave up what they had for the sake of others. And of course, the supreme irony of this is that it's the very opposite of why people come to London. People come to this city for themselves. Our founding story, if you like, or one of them is Dick Whittington. And he's walking along the roads from, was it Gloucestershire to London, saying the streets are paved with gold and I'm going to get me some. And yet our invitation this morning as we celebrate 15 years and think ahead for the future, is actually to live the very, in the very opposite spirit of the spirit of this city. It's an invitation not to live for self-gain, but for his gain. It's an invitation to do what we've seen played out in front of us this morning on nine occasions. <laughs> on nine occasions with people who've said, I've found him, and now I surrender. And we'll come to chapter 5 in due course, but just to get ahead of ourselves, that's part of his invitation to us right now. If you're not part of Christ Church London, or you're not even from London, the invitation is actually the same exactly where you are. The road, the route, the doorway to fullness of life is actually full surrender. The journey to great joy is actually along a pathway which says, give it all up. Because by not counting our lives anything, we find everything in him. That was chapter 2. I think that's why at the heart of it, and some of you are back today, it is such a joy to see every one of you uh, here. Phase 3, chapter 3, was the clarifying years We'd grown very fast. But who were we and where were we going? And one of the blessings of the Christian world is there's so much teaching. You can listen to something on a podcast. You can read something else in a book. And you can go to a conference somewhere else and get other teaching. And you can end up with a Christian life or a church life, which is essentially just a gathering of different ideas from different people. Then you find when you try and put them all together that it doesn't quite work. So chapter 3 was lots of talking, lots of praying, lots of writing, lots of thinking. It was out of this that our clarity in terms of our mission came clear to work for cultural, social and spiritual renewal. Someone said to me the other day, I can never remember which order to get them in. Alphabetic, cultural, social, spiritual renewal, To Spiritual renewal, help people come to faith and grow in faith. Social renewal, to care for those in need and equip people to deal with the systems and structures that stop people prospering. Cultural renewal, to deal with the patterns of thinking and the ways in which we live, the habits that stop people and communities flourishing. It's what God has called us to work for. It was during this period that we became clear on our priorities to be what we called engaged, to prioritize those who hadn't yet found faith, to exist for the benefit of those who are not yet part of us. Everything, our mission, those three things I've just been talking about, and empowered by the Spirit. We do not know how to do this without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. So it was a period of clarification. It was a period of consolidation And it was a period where there was quite a number of people, more people than normal. There's always people leaving and there's always people arriving at Christchurch London. It was one of those times where more people seemed to be leaving and our growth sort of flatlined and leveled off. I promise you, as a church leader, you never liked those times. And yet God did some very good things for us. Best way to illustrate it maybe is uh, in the summer, Philip and I met a very impressive young leader. Everything about them oozed ability, and their confidence, sort of, you know, it was like, well, just let me do it, and anything I touch will come good. And Philippa's comment afterwards was this, said of that person, said, they haven't been wounded yet, have they? And life has that, uh, well, there's some deep empathetic response uh, (laughs) there. Life has that habit, doesn't it? And that wounding process, for us at least, reminded us we were not the answer to the world's problems. And that actually the most important things are being obedient to him, whatever that means, and loving others and being loved by them. So I look back grateful for the humbling process of that time as well which is inevitable, and the key thing, of course, is how we learn from it. Chapter 1, preparing relationships and dreams. Chapter 2, fast growth and sacrificial living. Chapter 3, clarifying the identity and the mission that we were on. Chapter 4 was the multiplication years. We started to sense God speaking to us about not just being here, but being all around the city. We had, by that point in time, Joel and D. Wade had already come and become part of us as two individuals found each other at Christ Church, London. Jo Wells was here. We were benefiting, starting to benefit from her pastoring gift and her teaching gift. Liam and Helen Thatcher had arrived some time before, and we were benefiting from their teaching and their organization and all the other things that they bring. But despite all those and others... It's always invidious when you start mentioning people, isn't it? Because someone's sitting there thinking, what about me? And you as well. <laughs> but we knew that we needed others. We knew we needed somebody who could organize and just make things happen. And I've not got time to tell you the story now, but God brought us Nate Sense in really wonderful ways. <laughs> we still knew we needed one other experienced uh, senior leader, if we were really going to be able to do this. And God brought us Lars and Meta do Christensen. You know, some of, I mentioned this at the retreat, some of you will know. But Lars and Meta were actually on their way to another church. I mean, I'm talking literally, not metaphorically. They are walking to another church, to their join the church day. And Meta, God bless her. And Meta said to Lars, do you really think we should be going here? He looked, he said, no. And they turned around. <laughs> they turned out and they came here. And within weeks of them coming, we knew there was something really special. And so we were getting ready to multiply services. But actually, what, one of the things Lars and Meta have brought us is steps as well. Now, I won't ask now for a show of hands how many of us have done steps. It's several hundred of us. And the great majority of us would say, and it's been very, very good for us. So it was like there was this gathering before the multiplying, from two services here to four services in a different parts of the city, and then subsequently two more. The filming of the steps course, the preparing of that, so that other churches now across the country and further abroad and, f- and further further abroad are interested as well. Uh, I said this at the retreat too, but um, there's actually a church in San Francisco that's interested in doing steps. So I have told Lars that if he needs anyone to go and advise them, <laughs> I'm the man. So he said there's already quite a long queue of people ready to go to San Francisco, actually. But we're excited, jesting aside, we're excited about the way that that, could, that course can serve others. And if you've not done it, we'll be starting new courses in the new year And if you've got uh, habits, thought patterns, things that you want to change in your life right now, I would really encourage you thinking about that. And it was at that time too that we relaunched the Everything Conference which Dee spoke about earlier, which we're very excited about and anticipate being about 35% up numerically on this time last year, which we feel is a real testimony to both the need and the quality that we're able to provide in that space. So those were the... Years of God bringing people to us and then multiplying. And if that was chapter 4, what does it mean for chapter 5? Where is God taking us in the new chapter that we're moving into? I guess the only thing that we can be absolutely certain of is there will be some surprises. There will be some things that we haven't expected or haven't foreseen that will happen. But there's three things we're praying for. We're praying that many, many, many people will come to faith. We're excited about our current Alpha course, the attention we've given to that and the fruit that is already starting to bear. Please pray for all those on our current Alpha course, that not only will they come to the uh, Alpha day, but that they will experience God, they will give their lives to him, and they will become part of our community as a result. And already, be st- I'm already starting to think and pray about who could I invite in January for the next course. We're praying that many people will come to faith, that will multiply leaders. You've seen lots of leaders on the stage this morning, but we will need many more. And that we will make it easier for new people not just to be welcomed on a Sunday, but integrated into the family. Those are three things we're praying and focusing for. But maybe the best way to sum up what I hope chapter five is about is just to tell you as I close about a meeting that I had this week with one of you. Somebody who's been at Christchurch four or five years, they came to me actually recently and they said, David, it's about time we spoke. I wasn't actually sure whether this was good news or bad news, but we met on Monday. And this is what this individual said. They said, I want to tell you part of my story. I came to faith. Or they said, I started going out with a girl in my teens in London whose mother was dying. He said her mother had six months left to live, according to the doctors, because she had been bleeding every day for the last seven years. He said one day her mother went to St. Mark's Kennington. It's a big Anglican church, big building, not far from where our Stockwell service meets, and the overall cricket ground. She went to that church, and she was prayed for with the laying on of hands, And from that moment, she stopped bleeding and she never bled again. Said she lived for many years. Well, when that sort of thing happens in your family, it doesn't just change the recipient. You're all recipients. And it wasn't long before her children and other members of the family had come to faith as well. Well, this is awkward for my friend who I was talking to who's been part of this church for four or five years because he was like, she's wanting me to go to church. And he said, he said, I'm not going to church with you. What I'll do is I'll take you to church, I'll sit outside, and then I'll take you home after church, but I'm not coming into church. He said, so we arrive at St. Mark's Kennington, and if you know it, the steps going up, and he said, we went up the steps, and there was someone halfway up, and he put out both hands, and he grabbed a hand of ours each, and then he didn't let go. <laughs> and he said, he pulled us both in, and he said, we went in, and there was standing room only. And he said, only the best seats in the house were left you know, the ones right at the front. (laughs) And there were just two of them. So he took them down and he sat them in those two seats. I, I sat through the whole service. And at the end, he said, when there was an opportunity for prayer, I said, God, if you're there, show yourself to me now. He said, I spent the next 30 minutes lying on the floor, weeping uncontrollably. He said, it was that night that I gave my life to Christ. He said, it was such a big change for me. I needed a break, not only from the way I've been living, but the people I've been living life with. So he said, I didn't go near any of my friends for some time. He said, three months later, he said, I'm in Brixton one day, Brixton High Street, I think it was. And he said, I bump into one of them. And he's like, where have you been? And he said, I've had my life changed by Jesus Christ. He says, to the, he, says to, he says to the guy, if you can get all of our old posse, our, all our old friends together, I will meet with you all tonight. And there were six or seven of them. So he went that evening and he shared what had happened with all of them and they all came to faith. Three of them are in full-time ministry to this day. It was the most remarkable story of an outpouring of the Spirit. He said, when we were teenagers and we were going to St. Mark's, which was the center for renewal at the time, we used to say, we've got to be there by 5.30 for the 6.30 service. He said, otherwise we won't get a seat. Now, if you know anything about church life, that is a miracle. (laughs) And then he said this to me. After telling me this story, he said, David. He had no idea what I was going to talk about this, this, this morning. He said, David. I believe God is bringing Christchurch London into a new chapter. And I was like, I think the Lord's speaking to me. And I said, and what do you think that chapter is going to be characterized by? He said, an outpouring of the Spirit and many people coming to faith. Well, all I can say is, may it be. May it be. May the Lord do that. Let's stand together, shall we? I want to just pray before we worship, and I want to invite you to surrender afresh. Wherever you are and whatever you do, and I want to invite you to surrender, not just not for the sake of others, but actually for the sake of yourself. It starts there. But I want to pray at this 15th anniversary, I want to invite us to, to commit ourselves, to say we're here for you, Lord, and we're here to stay. We're here to stay as a church. Will you make that your commitment again this morning? Will you give yourself afresh? For some of us, it means doing again what we've done for many years. For others of us, it will be new things. But there's an invitation here. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for all your goodness. All the stories we can tell and all the secret things done in men and women's hearts that we'll never know about, but are profound and beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. But now we want to just offer ourselves afresh to you. We pray, would you give us grace to lay down our lives? Thank you for that crowd that started this church. Most of them are being used by you in other places. It's now our turn. We give ourselves to you. And may chapter five, we ask, Lord, be characterised by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and people finding you, and glory going to Jesus Christ and the Father. And we prayed in Jesus' name, and the people said.